0: Ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray. Did I just flip that? I don't know. It's (laughs) it's been a a long week, y'all. We're welcoming back our brother and comrade, Michael Jamal Brooks. He took last week off, and now he's re-energized. He's like the energizer bunny today, y'all. Yeah. And, of course, as always, my other brother, Nando Vila. What's up, y'all? How's it going, brother? Good. On today's show... We're gonna get into sort of the branding of the branding and marketing problem of abolish the police, which I think ties back into the branding and marketing problem of Black Lives Matter six years ago, where like it literally took six years for people to figure it out. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, but first, we want to talk about the race in New York 16th for uh the House of Representatives, the Democratic Party establishment has circled the wagons for Gelman in opposition of a young black Elliot, uh Elliot angle Elliot angle excuse me um in uh, in opposition of oh, a- was that condition owner you met once? What was that? The, like, yeah. you met once. Oh, I, I I have no idea where I got that from in Queens. Kelman. I don't know why I said that. I, I, that might be a Seinfeld character, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Love the Kadesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in opposition to Jamal Bowman, young black dude, former uh, school principal in the Bronx. Uh, you know, a progressive guy Basically for all the things That people like us on this show stand for You know, and the the the, the party establishment Not just endorsed him Endorsed by
1: Bernie Sanders Endorsed by moment. Bernie
0: Sanders, of course That goes without And AOC And yeah. AOC, that goes without saying um, That comes as no surprise But of course, who's circling the wagons for The establishment candidate The entrenched 30 The, the guy's been in Congress for 30 years, y'all Like, I mean At a certain point, do you need to do any job for 30 years? Like, serious. Like, I'm I'm not even just saying that because it's convenient for me to feel that way. Um, 30 years in the House of Representatives, uh, the Black Congressional um, Caucus has endorsed him. You know, um, if we're going to be fair here, the Teachers Union in New York has endorsed him. Um, I I just think I wanted to talk about this today, guys, because I think this is emblematic of all the things... That are wrong with the party today, um there's literally uh no reason to be excited about this incumbent candidate, and this is the party that claims claims to care about progressive politics, claims to care about diversity, claims to care about representation. Um, literally, like, it's it's all phony. Um, it's just like, what's the point of this dude? Like, Jamal Bowman is what these people claim to care about, embodied, right? Like, all of the, you know, and I saw it, and you know what I think is funny? when, When these guys, the Chris Matthews types, choose to weaponize these issues, right? And they talk about, well, Bernie's just another old white guy. Yeah. When they choose to weaponize these things that they faking it. They're faking it. They don't actually care about. It. I just remember that being used as a weapon against Bernie during the campaign and now I don't hear it from any of these people in the establishment, right? Like, I remember on MSNBC all of these, like, you know, centrist, dem types, like, well, it looks bad that, you know, uh, Castro and Cory Booker and Kamala Harris yeah. aren't getting the traction they deserve, and Bernie's just another 70-year-old white guy, and blah, 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 and <laughs> this is like, bro, this is where it starts, though. In order to be developing future candidates for important positions, like, you know, maybe sometime in the future, if things go well with J- Jamal B- um, Bauman, he can run for a Senate seat. Maybe he can run for governor of New York. Maybe he can do, like, this is where it has to start. And so this idea that, the, uh, you know, the power apparatus of the party has has lined up behind this incumbent establishment candidate is just annoying to me, Nando.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said, The whenever they try to weaponize identity, just always know that it's always in bad faith. They don't actually care about even the narrowest form of diversity, right? They don't actually care about it. It only – they only use it as a way to absorb – progressive energy and spit it back in our faces, right? Because, I mean, I think there are plenty of well-meaning people out in the world who say like, yeah, we should be more diverse. Like, and of course we should be more diverse. But when, when it's coming from these people, when it's coming from the party leadership, when it's coming from the media establishment, it is always disingenuous and in bad faith. I mean, this is, uh, Elliot Engel is an old white guy. Uh, Jamal Bowman is a young black guy. Jamal, uh, Elliot Engel has been endorsed by Hillary Clinton, the teachers union, The Congressional Black Caucus, you know, like the Congressional Black Caucus is endorsing this old white man over a young black man. You know, it just it goes to show that like the party power structures only care about power. They don't care about any of the issues that they pretend to care about just to basically mostly shame people into voting for them. Right. So, yeah, this is just like a it's it's, there hasn't been a more perfect distillation of something like this in a long time. And this was just like this absolutely perfect. And Jamal Bowman, he's a good guy. I mean, like you you watch some interviews with him. He's he's the real deal. He look, he supports all the things, like you said, that we support. He supports the Green New Deal. He supports Medicare for all. He supports an end to violent empire abroad. You know what I mean? Like which you
0: support that in the Democratic Party.
2: Yeah, seriously. Well, and especially Elliot Engel, who's the chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee since 1994 and, like, one of the most conservative Democrats on foreign policy in the entire Congress. And hold on, Nando,
0: before you go on, and I think it's important that that we – I think it's important that we highlight that because – Again, and I want to make sure everybody who's listening understands, because a lot of times we're going at a certain pace and we expect people to understand what we mean by an establishment dem, conservative mm. centrist leaning dem. Like this is what we're talking about. This dude chairs the House Foreign Relations Committee, right? <laughs> um cleared the budgets and voted in favor of every single foreign intervention, every overbloated overdone military budget under the sun since 1994. Like this is what we're talking about when it's like, there needs to be a new way of thinking about how to be a Democrat, dude. Like yeah. you don't like, and and I understand honestly, in the nineties, this knee jerk, um, reactionary idea that, Yo, we need to sort of, you know, the sort of dick measuring contest of violence. We need to support the police state here domestically. We need to support every single war abroad. We need to show that as a Democrat, as a liberal, that we're strong and we're not limp wrist liberals and blah, 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 blah. And like so much this, so much of that still in the party, even though everybody, you know, you poll the country about Iraq, Afghanistan, even stuff they like Libya. Shit. Like people are like that was terrible. Why did we do yeah. that? That's a terrible yeah. idea. Like even as the country moves past that, there's Dems like this dude, like Elliot Engel, who still get some type of clout, some type of respect within the party and that's his main thrust. Um, sorry, Nando, you were um going. No, no,
2: no. I mean, no. I mean, like you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this guy, this guy voted for the Iraq War, you know, and it just goes to show the AOC thing. AOC defeating Joe Crowley in her primary was an absolute kind of. Earthquake inside of the Democratic Party establishment. They there it terrifies them. They were like, they've sworn a blood oath to never let that happen again. And they will go to the mattresses, no matter how awful whoever it is is the incumbent, they're just going to go to the mattress for them in, in the face of a progressive challenger. This just, you know, it's, it's important for people to understand that this isn't about the issues, this isn't about you know, any, any of the things as this is supposedly about, it's about power and it's about them maintaining their own power. And there's like an, sort of like an, an implicit agreement between all the Dems. It's like, you know, we'll protect you, no primaries, but we'll protect you. Like you, you play ball and we'll protect you when the time comes, you know, like no one's going to challenge you on your left if you play ball. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to throw all the, all the party money behind you. We're going to throw the institutions of power, um, behind you. So, Yeah, I mean, this is just this is like a a perfect example of all that's rotten within the political system within the Democratic Party.
1: Yeah, I mean, Elliot Engel is there for anything Israel wants. He's there for coups and, you know, uh, pushing coup in Venezuela. He's there for the real estate industry. The other thing that I think helped make this race a real race um, you know there's a lot of great people running these kind of left challenges but Jamal Bowman is definitely in a different category I would say like he is young but he isn't you know there's a lot of like cool really young kind of like you know people like us you know kind of green like he's yeah. whatever and that's great he ran a school but he ran a school I mean this man has like also, a very real and very significant life experience, and it really comes through in his poise and his leadership. But the other thing, you know, Elliot Engel shot himself. I mean, Elliot Engel went to a Black Lives Matter rally in the Bronx, fought okay. on a hot mic, hot mic, and it was a, you know, it was like a very much a sanctioned rally. So he's there with the Bronx Borough President, other kind of bigwigs in the local Democratic <laughs> machine, and you can hear him through his mouth saying. I, like, basically, I need to get up there and get some speaking time. I wouldn't care, but I have a primary.
0: Please bear with me, I'll, I'll announce everybody. I appreciate you coming. But it, 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 then I gotta then go down the list, and it's just too many folks here. If I he didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. Say that again? If I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. It's no. Just right. not, don't look, look, do that to me, to we're, not not to to we're not gonna do this, we're not gonna put, put on the side. Everybody has a primary, you know? I'm sorry.
1: Literally says, I wouldn't care, but I have like a real challenge. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, this one's really important. I I just also think it gets to like everything you guys said. And, you know, even I mean, even while we were in the middle of this, you had this like very embarrassing and paternalistic, like even people who didn't support candidates like Harrison Castro felt the need to, to write these like embarrassing, ridiculous things. And, you know, and. Even at the same time, while they were, you know, just endlessly smearing and lying and just being totally disgusting with Bernie, and then by extension, like every single working class and poor American, um, they, you know, they were cool with with Biden. So, like, you know, it's, you know, they were they were totally fine with Biden, and I, I just think the the irony is is that this sort of like shallow, fake diversity politics that the Democratic Party leadership pushes forward, one, of course, they're totally insincere, obviously.
2: <laughs> and, and
1: I mean, that's a given. And this is like a great example of this, because look, let's let's be honest, like, look, diversity is extremely important. And by the same, uh, you know, on the flip side, obviously, like, if you know, Jamal Bowman was in Congress, and Elliot Engel was challenging. You know, or uh, or I should say, if um, you know, if it if it just so happened that Elliot Engel was actually like one of the most progressive anti real estate industry people we had. <laughs>
0: and-
1: real estate and arms manufacturers or whatever found, like, a young educator or attorney who happened to be a person of color, well, obviously we'd support Angle. 100%. So I, and hundred percent, And But what makes that, like, doubly sick, though, is that if you ever built a politics that was about labor unions, that was about working people, it would necessarily be deeply diverse and very much more likely than not led— by, you know, a person of color just because of the demographics, because of the overlap between racism and (laughs) racism. So so it's like, so, so it's, so to me, it's like, so it's, it's triply cynical because one, of course they don't mean it even in their own terms. Second, it's like embarrassing to actually say like because again if you just follow the logic of it it's like hey man we, what what are we doing not supporting like you know fucking Alan Keyes back in the day he was running in the Republican primary he was the only black candidate for president I mean obviously we needed to support him or you know Carly Fiorina like she was the only you know we haven't had a woman president yet <laughs> obviously we didn't There's support nobody. her like, you know, that, that just one dimensional logic and then what they're actually actively fighting against by fighting against candidates like jabal bowman who actually represent people is something that automatically and necessarily would be like like the workers party in brazil is extremely fucking diverse right of course represents workers and because of similar traditions overlapping with slaughter of indigenous people slavery systemic racism and capitalism those things overlap a lot so if you have like an actual movement and party that's rooted in it it's necessarily going to be hugely diverse and have the appropriate and best leadership which is of course going to be include a lot of people of color so i don't know man it's just it's it's wild it just fails in every single way and it is still kind of funny though like Occasionally, you see people, you know, surprised that Hillary Clinton would do this, and I, I mean, if you're surprised, I don't even, you know, I, I guess I'm getting grouchy because I'm just like getting to the point. Where it's, like, it's like I don't. I look at the shit that people obsess about all day, and the things they think about, and the controversy they try to generate, and then, you know, in in ways that are you know are are moralistic and stupid, and sometimes honestly just like insane mentally, and then. There's still this like fucking fragility out there. Like, oh, I thought Hillary Clinton cared about that stuff. Hillary Clinton,
2: (laughs) you know, yeah, Hillary Clinton. This is the only race that she's weighed in on so far. This is the only (laughs) race that she, uh, all the races, the only race she's weighed in on has been to endorse Engel over uh, black And you know the one
0: thing, like people, people over the years, the biggest critique of Hillary Clinton has been her quote unquote inauthenticity or lack of authenticity or whatever you want to however you want to phrase that um I think all of us on this call could agree that the most consistent thing about Hillary Clinton's uh political career has been her hawkishness <laughs> like <Yeah>. literally <laughs> from from morning. To sundown of her political career, she has been a hawk straight yeah. up and down, like from the Senate to Secretary of State to all of it. Like that's been the the through line of her politicism. It's military intervention, whenever. Um, and and, and that's been consistent. So the idea that she would be really into this dude. Uh, should come as no surprise to anyone that she would. And it's so funny. It's like, I don't know, maybe the older people in this, I I, I don't claim to know the demographics or much about the 16th in New York, um, but, like, maybe she's got a lot. Hillary Clinton has a lot of... um, Credibility with the people in that district? I don't know. But like part of <laughs> me is just like, how much political it's like some capital open
1: mob killed Jeffrey Epstein for them? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. How many so, yeah. what it's is the what is the extent? Some crooked cop what is there. the extent yeah, yeah. of Hillary Clinton's um you know uh, political capital at this point? Well, I mean, she, she.
2: I mean, I think she still carries a huge amount of sway with the party party leadership. Right. You know, writ large. You know that right. the the, the, Clint, the Clinton's are, you know, the Clintons are, are almost like a like a giant corporation at this point, and they they have a lot of influence in media and in the politics and in the business community now, and all now, that do stuff. You like, mean, they, like the
0: rank and the file Democrat, workers in the Democratic Party in New me, York I City. Think
1: Democrats still like like the Clintons? I think. I, look, I think there's a ton of people who, again, they're not necessarily highly online. Maybe they're a little older, but maybe they're not even that old, who aren't in all this mix. Right. And they like, I mean, they definitely love President Obama. I think they like Joe Biden just fine. And oh, they yeah. still did the
0: Clinton. Right. Um, and I think because it's something we should tap into, uh, the con- the congressional. My re-
1: grandmother in Florida, man. I'm sorry. I'm Go just regret. She just loves President Obama, man. <laughs> really likes Biden. She's a union, so she's got a little bit of like fuck you to the Clintons, but not really. Right. Like, not like we do. Right. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I just want to get you guys to just expound upon what it means for the Congressional Black Caucus to endorse this candidate. Um, me personally, I think it speaks to, you know, the in- The the entrenched factions are going to always support the other entrenched factions. Um, The idea that the, the Congressional Black Caucus wouldn't come out for Jamal Bowman when they couldn't come out for Barack Obama at first. <laughs> like <laughs> they supported Hillary Clinton, right? Like yeah. they always, always, always knee-jerk will go with whatever whoever has been there the longest. <laughs> because honestly, you know, just by the average age of the Congressional Black Caucus, this older um um congress people like they're older they know these they've known these people longer and they're just going to toe the party line the loyalty line and 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 dig on whoever is the most entrenched person faction in whatever the race is i'm um, sort of want to get you guys' thoughts on it
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically it is like the the congressional black caucus at this point is basically like a patronage organization and they need to, they need to maintain their power. It's a, they need to sort of maintain the other power structures, which, which it's like a I scratch my back, you scratch yours or, or however that expression expression goes, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's not like it's not anything other than that at this point. It's just uh, it's just another another node of power within the Democratic Party establishment. Um, therefore, they will protect the existing Democratic Party establishment over anything that can upset that, even if it goes against their stated mission. Yeah, it's just as simple as that.
1: Yeah, and I think the the other element too is again, you know, just understanding. Hold on, that- Mike.
0: Before you go on, yeah. do we think? <laughs> Do we think that he would have courted their, um, their endorsement if he wasn't running against a black dude? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's true.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think so.
1: I think there's enough diversity in
0: that <laughs> history. <laughs> okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's, I mean, the truth of the matter is those, is like, I don't, I think he has not ran a competitive race, I want to say since like 2000.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's been a well, million years. He probably years, hasn't yeah.
1: really. I mean, I'm sure he fundraises seriously, but I mean, this guy, and you can see it. I mean, you almost feel bad for him when he's there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's like tired. Yeah. He's not he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> I mean, what what he said to the on the hot mic, he was like, hey, the thing is also on the hot mic. He had to say it twice because the guy couldn't even hear him. But he was like asking for a, a slot to speak, and then he's like, and the guy's like, listen, I can't do it. There's a lot of people spoke already. We can't like we can't put you in. He's like, no, come on. If I if I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't give shit about this and the guy's like what he's like if i didn't have a primary i wouldn't care (laughs) and the guy's like oh don't give me that shit get the fuck out of here like you said it twice you know being an absolute (laughs) asshole completely like (laughs) <laughs> so good The fact that he had to say it twice <laughs> is so perfect you know, Literally twice say, yeah. No, 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 you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't give a shit I about these black it. people so I, need, I need
1: to tell all of these black people That I care about them being murdered by the police Even though statistically
2: Right. <laughs> There's more black on black crime than police yeah, on black yeah, crime. <laughs>
1: yeah. What I don't understand is why isn't there a rally for black on black crime? But anyways, I have a fine <laughs> so I have
0: to talk. <laughs> uh, anyway, so just uh, to, just because to, I do want to move on to the the, the... Well, real quick. Yes, go ahead, Mike. Okay. Sorry. Hey, uh, Kianga Yamana
1: Taylor has a good piece in the New York Times though about the basically the challenge inside black political leadership, and the different waves of that. And, you know, it's very interesting, like there's this great book um, by Cedric Johnson, I think called From Revolutionaries to Race Leaders, which kind of talks about like the energy that turned into the 70s and this wave in the 70s and 80s of black mayors. And it's not even, I mean, some of them were good, some of them were bad, but the reality is that because of where the world economy was going, And the ongoing legacies of racism and and segregation and all of these other dynamics, like, you know, you you all of a sudden had mayors coming in and they were the ones who were like cracking down on unions, cutting budgets and Mm -hmm. everything. So there's that one. And then you've got this like, you know, San Francisco, D.C., Atlanta, this Gen X, I think two out of three of those mayors, maybe three. I know San Francisco and D.C. mayors both endorse Bloomberg. So You know, that's just ludicrous. But now, you know, Keonga was saying, like, emerging from these movements and, you know, from like the left wing of Black Lives Matter, there's there's a new, you know, potential challenge inside the black, you know, inside black leadership, too. So I think, like, not only are they not, like, they're looking out for him because they're all part of, like, the overall democratic machine. And I think they're also, like, Hakeem Jeffries, who's younger, I mean, he tweeted out I don't even remember which one it was. It was one of these challenges. He tweeted out like, you know, one down, such and such more to go. Like, you know, fuck you. You know, <laughs> we're on the same team. Um and, yeah. and,
0: and before before we we move on from this, um Nando had shared a screenshot of the um Angle's team Angle Angle for Congress Twitter account <laughs> where the the, <laughs> the Biden brigade <laughs> said, "Listen up." HRC is with Angle. Nancy is with Angle. Shift (laughs) is with Angle. Cuomo wow. is with Angle. Just and, the worst people in the world. And Angle says, Let's go. And so yeah, you know, is- <laughs> so yeah,
1: you can. You have a few extra dollars, chip contribution to Jamal Bowman. Yeah, I yeah. actually
0: literally like, just donated some, you can, a little bit you of just bread to J- Jamal Bowman. Just, on Earth. <laughs> honestly, yeah. just talking to you guys just now, like right now in the last 20 minutes, was like, yo, let me send this guy some bread, man. If yeah, see if it he would could be, be like
2: it would be like Legitimately, like very, very good it news. It would be in a Time where oh. there is no good news. There oh. is no good news around. To you knock know, that this fool like, off. All yeah. right,
0: moving <laughs> on. Um, and I wanted, and we talked about this briefly, briefly on past shows when we just talked about the uprising in the streets and the different communities all across America and just the language that's come out of all of this, right? The killings of, you know, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of these people. Um, Just the the concept of abolish the police, disband the police. Uh, We've seen it in Minnesota already where the chief actually gets up at a press conference and they say, so what happens if somebody gets robbed right now? And she said, we don't know, (laughs) which I just thought was just like. 2020 is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea that a police chief could get up at a press conference and say that. Um, and that's that's just where we're at, you know. Uh, I did want to get into it with you guys because I think the problem, it's every it's it's the problem with everything that we try to get done on in the Democratic Party, but just on the left more generally, is that the coalition is actually broad like Mm -hmm. there actually is a broad coalition and so to focus a message to make a message concise that actually satisfied the the breadth of the coalition is so much more difficult than it is on the other side because getting a bunch of white people in line is just easier even if you're talking about young old um middle-aged white people when you talk about the age Um, The age range of black, brown, Asian people, uh, indigenous people, um, and just, you know, just the differences in those cultures and those communities, it becomes a lot more difficult to focus a message. Right. Um, And so I brought up Black Lives Matter earlier because in 2014 or 13, when the movement or the sloganeering of the movement on the streets started happening, I remember in real time. And I don't know if I even said this on any of our stuff, was just like, look, obviously I get Black Lives Matter, but if your messaging is such that every time somebody who's not completely with it and hip to it hears it, they recoil and immediately want to be against it, immediately want to rebut it, immediately want to be like, what the fuck is that? You know? Your message didn't work, you know what I'm saying? Like the messaging, the marketing of the messages, it didn't work. And we're six years later, and now Roger Goodell can get up, you know, in his living room amongst his leather-bound books and, you know, unequivocally and no hesitation say Black Lives Matter. Like, yeah, six years later, but I, I see the same things happening. I say all that to say I see the same things happening with Abolish the Police. Um, the messaging, the idea when, you know, middle aged, suburban, even and I want to say even non-whites, like if you mm-hmm. are a professional class non-white and you hear, wait a second. Ain't gonna be no police. <laughs> like, you're like, hold up now. Like, wait, like, like, did we think this thing through? And so I just wanted to talk to you guys about how to better market this message in this movement because I think there is a will to have a less aggressive, less ridiculous police department all over the country amongst a broad demographic of people. Um, but I wanna know how the message can be better communicated.
2: Well, yeah, I mean You know, I, I do agree that Abolish the police is like a, you know, just a political Non-starter, I mean, I think you're just I mean, it's just, you're not gonna I mean, you're not gonna get anyone outside of like An incredibly tiny fringe Of like academics or, or Or NGO types or whatever, I don't know Like, abolish the police just seems like a, Just like a very obvious, like like No one is gonna be like, what? The, la- what are, the last
0: two things We abolished in America was Liquor and slavery. And slavery. yeah. <laughs>
2: like,
0: yeah. like, and, and so, obviously we ended up bringing liquor back. Um, yeah. <laughs> and some would say slavery, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? But on this... <laughs> 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 you know, I don't know why that's
2: so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> brought it back. You brought it back bring from, it
0: from the it dead. Up, bring so it so back we went back the <laughs> <laughs> How do we make it so that we don't go back on the third? No, I'm just saying, yeah. like, when people no, hear those words, that's what they closely associate. No, yeah, it, but, you but know? that's
2: true. I mean, it's what it, I mean. It's what it is. It's plain English. I mean, right. abolish the police means like there's no police, and then yeah, I think that the next question is well, what happens when someone does a bad thing? You know, like, and there's there they haven't come up with a really good answer for it. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that the pivot towards defund the police is. It, 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 I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think that it's, you know, this idea of like right sizing city budgets that are like, you know, have these giant police departments and, and then no other social services. I think it's, I think that implied in that word is like, it's not like an abolishing thing. It's like, you know, defunding any sort of program is like you, you cut the budgets and, 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 you know, you look at these cops and how, how they're armed to the teeth. I mean, that that's money, right? That's, that's, that's money flowing to police departments and that we shouldn't, they shouldn't be getting money to do those things. That, That seems pretty obvious to me. Um, and then the other question, I mean, I think that there's a, there is a, um, something worth talking about, in terms of like dissolving certain existing police departments and then kind of starting from scratch, I think I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I understand that's, that when an institution has such an, a culture ingrained into it, like reforming institutions like that is just unbelievably difficult, you know? So like, I understand the idea of like, yeah, we, we shut down the existing police department and we build something new and uh, under new auspices and new, uh, new, you know, new metrics, new everything, you know? Um, but yeah, abolish the police. Just this idea that we will live in a society with no crime and no police. Like, I mean, it's just, uh, I think that that's just an absolute non-starter. I think that we have to talk about the nature of policing. You know, I think police, there should be police that are out there solving crimes, you know, like,
0: and another problem, another problem that I think we have that needs to, that needs to be mentioned is that, Po- the 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 word police reformed is already taken. Well, they've tried a million things. Like, they tried th- reform- that term though, as it pertains to sensitivity training and all the other bullshit yeah. that they came up with to reform these cats. But the, like what we're talking about is like reform. It's like literally top down changing everything. But right?
1: that's yeah. where. So I just want to say because I know because we'll we'll get some. Uh, <laughs> I said I said on the weekend show with anna that i'm not at police abolition yet and i know some people are why no, I mean, and i but i just
2: want to say like
1: look i i've i definitely like look there's the end of policing the alex Vital book there is this very broad book. she's you know, she's good miriam kaba obviously in the new york times uh and at prison culture and twitter and I I actually really enjoy Ruth Wilson Gilmore specifically on prisons and and some of this flows back to, you know, definitely Angela Davis obviously and the idea of the prison industrial complex. So I, I mean, I want to acknowledge that there is like a real serious history here and and it, and it's it's interesting because it's like okay, so everything you guys just said 100 percent right, like it it isn't like this isn't something that you're going to sell uh, to the masses. And, I'll, and I want to loop back in a second to what that city councilwoman said in Minneapolis, which I did like a twenty yeah. segment on because I thought it was such a disaster. But yeah. I think that, um, you know, what what strikes me is that I guess one, like the big ticket point is that there's things that need to and must and i think can with the right amount of struggle be done now on policing because it's an you know emergency that's existed for ages and this movement is 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 fighting to address it i think like the bigger like we want to really Demobilize that kind of militarization and carceral state of society. Like, I'm sorry, you can't separate that from public works projects, healthcare, yeah. housing. That's and that's where like the work of people like Cedric Johnson come in, and who I'm a you you know again really big admirer of. of like, let's the reality is we have no social infrastructure in this country we use police to monitor and terrorize communities of color poor and working class communities because we have consigned tens of millions of people to completely you know to 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 permanent underclass I mean, yeah yeah a permanent underclass that we so like that those are all the issues that are tied up in it i think the other two things though that are that are kind of interesting to me is like one When you get into this stuff, I mean, on one hand, like a guy like Alex Vitale will say, like, obviously tomorrow we're not going to snap our fingers and get rid of the police. There is going to like be some of that function. So then all of a sudden it becomes much more relevant and much more like, yes, like, of course, like absolutely like the, the ideas around like you know demilitarizing the police getting them out of schools having social workers respond to mental health issues and all of that type of thing which is totally obvious and can be done today so even someone like patel who wrote the ends of policing says that then i mean on the other hand like i i think it's also though useful especially because i mean we won't really get into it but i think it's interesting that some people who are like the most, like, insane, like, vicious, like, hall monitor cop, like, we're gonna create a new culture, no one's ever gonna make a mistake, no one's ever gonna be a human being, no one is ever, like, and I'm gonna do all this shit and and, and nonsense and toxicity on social media, that there's some overlap of interest with, like, ending policing. And so it's like, wait a second. like. Are we like ending policing like we have a genuinely much more resilient, compassionate society, or are we sort of like transforming policing along different lines? You know what I'm saying? And so that's another thing. But but real quick, like the woman in the Minneapolis City Council, and by the way, I love Shama Sawant, the city councilwoman in Seattle. She is so on point. She's doing serious work right now to support the protesters, to ban tear gas, like all this stuff. And she was like... Why are you giving, like, Minneapolis so much energy? They made this big announcement, and now they're going to study it for a year, and it's going to be mothballed, and nothing's going to happen. So I love yeah, that she said, said that. <laughs> we don't know what the- <laughs> Minneapolis is going to do. And honestly, the way the the trajectory of things are now could end up way worse. But the point was was that— when the city council president was asked on CNN, what happens if, like, you know, someone's breaking into your house or whatever, she's like, well, I think you're going to – like, some people are going to have to, like, check their privilege about that. Yeah, no, come that on. was That's, so Jesus fucking Christ. domestic, both in terms of selling the issue, oh but also Morally, in terms of – I always go back to Cornel West. Like, Cornell West was like, the racism of policing is about democracy, every single person wants security and democracy and so the point and and that's like not even just a question of selling that's like the truth like we've talked about it. like it's it's fucked up like okay go in terrorize this this uh, black and brown community on uh, you know, petty nonsense, right? people summons, beat them, harass them. And then on the other hand, ooh,
2: serious crimes, eh, less of a priority. So like- Well, not that, it's not just that it's to care about it or whatever. Yeah,
1: and then, and then all of a sudden, instead of getting into like everybody needs public good provisions in a full, serious, actual, multiracial social democracy, all of a sudden we're using privilege discourse, which by the way, all that, that will lead to- is fucking private paramilitaries that people yeah. pay for the privilege of private
2: security to protect right. and that's even worse than where we are today. Well, a- AOC's line was even bad on it. Like, I mean, AOC had when was asked about. She's like, "Well, it's easy to imagine uh, that. You just look at the like a, a rich white suburb, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa rich white suburbs have very big police departments, like the Beverly Hills Police Department." here exists and it's well-funded and, you know, it, you know what I mean? Like they don't, they're not, they're not living without police. Um, you know, they're enforcing sort of boundaries and all that stuff, but, um, it's almost like an internal border or something, but they are very policed. It's different than, it's not It's not like some sort of abolitionist uh, uh, sentiment. It's, it's 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 just not the case. You no, know? So no, no, yeah,
0: no, because again, even in Beverly Hills, they're like, you know, some of the riffraff tends to get blown in here with the wind. Yeah. We need somebody to clean that up. Yeah,
2: they have police for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because,
0: and you know what's so funny, Nando, is um, I, yo, a while back, I went to a house party. I went to a house party in Beverly Hills. It was like this big, free like they, they rented a house and it was like an outdoor type of thing. They had all this land or whatever. It was like sponsored by some tequila company, all this crazy shit. And inevitably at two, like 2 a.m., they break it up or whatever and um, you know the cops are just they outside.
1: Came with the wrong therapy, they were social
2: workers. <laughs> well, they, yeah. But the yeah. cops yeah. were, were like, hey, outside. Guys, DVD oil. The cops yeah. were
0: outside. Is just like you guys called your Ubers. You guys ready? You guys this. They were yep. just right. chilling. Nice. They yeah. didn't give a damn. They were just like, yeah, guys. Just make sure you get your Ubers. Make sure you this. All right, you cracking jokes. They were. Tra- I was trying to. I was trying to imagine. <laughs> what that would look like in New York? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, that it just would it just wouldn't go down that way. Or like when you're in Manhattan at a club and that club is known for having black people there, and then the cops show up on horses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know, it's just a different. It's just a different sentiment yeah. and attitude, bro. Just different. They show up on horses, it just, like, but the it, next it, day, it goes like, to show
2: one like we're tired of being treated like dogs. It goes to show that police enforce the existing social order, right? So yeah. like in the suburbs, it's not like they don't have police. They have just, they just have a police that enforces that existing social order that exists within that suburb. So like- And they have private security too. They do. They often do. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's why that's why I think like all this talk, like you said, Mike, has to be coupled with a expansive view of really rebuilding the state as a means to provide Basic social welfare for all, reduce inequality, you know, all those things. Like, because that's it, once you do that, the police will behave like police are supposed to. Like, you'll, that's just the reality, you know, like, but this idea that even in that world, even in a world in which we got Medicare for all and a Green New Deal and you know massive new green jobs program and fair housing for all, all that stuff, you know, there still be crimes and there still be murders right. and domestic disputes and you know husbands will beat their wives, like that. That stuff and it, and will it still to occur. It'll, it'll like, happen less, right? Yeah. like because everybody knows that. So, like, what are we actually saying? You know? Right. Exactly. Like, no one believes that that will end crime forever. It's just not, that's just not a reality. So, you know, you need some sort of mechanism to solve crimes, to protect people, ensure public safety. And, you know, like, so, yeah, I mean, I think to, 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 to use the, to go back to the original point, like to use the term abolish the police, but then be like, well, we don't actually mean that like, you know, right now, you know, maybe like in some, you know, very, very distant future or whatever. And it's like, well, no, I mean, that's not just not how it works. Like you need to like, you need to talk about like the here and now and and people's like actual concerns and that's that's like one thing that they'll always look at you like huh you know and if you can't get past that then you're not going to get past anywhere it's also i just want
1: to say too i think like this is also where there's like part of the problem that uh, matt christman has been talking about a lot between like the like a certain part of the quote like the left i guess that's like you know, like all of us that are so connected to these media platforms and kind of do like these little media careers. And, and I'm making like, again, I'm not including, there is a serious line of people that I mentioned earlier who do a lot of work on this stuff, a lot of which is really good. And definitely everybody should, you know, read and check out, agree, disagree and explore. And that's where the terminology comes from. But it's like, If you're just catering to like a little online market, always using the most maximalist discourse is the best marketing strategy. But if you're thinking of how this stuff actually translates to doing things, it doesn't.
0: Yes. Um, And, you know, and again, on the other side, and we don't have a Frank Luntz. On our side, because to quite frankly, the Democrats aren't just aren't savvy enough. They would have been workshopping a nice way to say this shit forever. They would have been like, look, um, you know, our ultimate goals are always the same. Right. We want to deregulate everything. We want to cut taxes for the richest people and kind of like don't really have an organizing principle as a party establishment outside of that. But we know in order to achieve those goals, we got to get the energy in our party excited about stuff. But we got to make it sound palatable, right? Like, we have to make it sound palatable. Um, You know, instead of stripping women of of their abortion rights, is no, we're just pro-life. We're (laughs) pro-life. We're pro-life. How could you be anti-life? We're yeah. pro life, guys. Come on. You know, um yeah. and they always figure out a way to make their monstrous policy. Um, incentives, sound, like nice, cutesy little things. And we just don't yeah. have that on our side. And it's something that yeah. we need to think the about. The right to
2: work the is a great The right
0: one. to work, right. It, right. It's, we want to destroy every single union in the country, if not the world yeah. over. And we're going to call that movement right to work. Everybody yeah. has a right to work. It's yeah. what they do. It's what the Cokes do. It's what those think think tanks do, it's what those they would have focus grouped the hell out of freaking abolish the police, right um, but at the same time the party apparatus that's supposed to be, you know, basically getting our stuff or the energy of their party to look good in public they don't actually want none of this shit,
2: No, they
0: don't actually and, and, and the thing about the Republicans is like whether they want it or not doesn't matter it's what's going to get us to our end goal, right? It's what's going to keep us elected, it's what's going to keep our people in the streets. L- doing this is what gets it going. It's so like, whatever, man, the dem's going dem. Um, I just want to say before we go, just a couple of things, um, that's in the news, uh, that's just not in the news, it's just on Twitter. Uh, Beethoven is black or was black. Oh, man, I miss Chris Matthews, bro. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, Wait, but what? like all of the credible Uh-oh. accounts of Beethoven's appearance is like, at the very worst, he was mulatto, meaning he was half black and something else. Um, but I'll
1: probably spend 30 minutes on TMBS on Tuesday doing this.
0: Okay, but Beethoven was black, and also, one of my followers hit me to a- another pretty cool historical correction, J. Edgar Hoover. Part black. It was black. Part, black. Really? Nice. Part, black. Wow. Part black. Part black. Part black. Part black. So, so this guy I was closeted if gay if and the black. It's
1: not disproven there. I don't know what can disprove it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you man Thank you again Mike Welcome back to the show I'm happy you came back Energizing Better than ever Of course Nando out in Santa Monica I know you catching waves Man over there Yeah baby (laughs) Cowabunga dude Yeah (laughs) know you catching waves At the beach Make sure you become A patron of Count the Dinks fan tmps make sure you subscribe to let's Pod it out nando's entourage pod still going strong still as funny as ever of course make sure you subscribe to the the mailbag feed and the black opinions matter feed man make sure you just you know what i mean going out there doing what you do but support yourself support your family man support us uh, we'll see you guys next week we're out of here